Well, it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're doing that live over at Joy 620 or you're listening to the podcast, as you can every single week. And you can do that on demand anytime you want. If you just want to spend hours listening to my voice, you can go back and listen to years of this show. And so uh, we're grateful. You can find that on investinghope.com. You can also find that uh, Apple iTunes. You can find that at Google Play, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. And so we would encourage you to do that. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, a lot of things going on in the news, even though it's not COVID related. Uh, and, and so most of the things in the news right now have to do with COVID. I've talked about COVID until I'm blue in the face. And so we're not going to mention that much today. But there is other things going on. There are other things going on in this country. One of those being, we are not, uh, we're just a few months away from election. Uh, there is a presidential race happening right now. Now, uh, you may know that President Donald Trump is the incumbent and is running for his second term. What you may not know is that Joe Biden is the nominee of the Democratic Party. And you may not know that because uh, he hasn't really said much of anything. And now here's here's the reason why. And I don't want to get too into the political weeds of all of this. But this was a similar thing that was happening back in 2016. What you found in the polls in 2016 was when uh, Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton would get in front of a camera and talk. Her poll numbers would go down. That was just what happened. There's a number of reasons for that. The, the 30 plus thousand emails that she deleted at Benghazi. So many things occurred. That, that hurt her in that election. Uh, but, but part of it was the American people, the populace, those that were voting were just not real excited about her candidacy. So she would fare better when she didn't get out in front of the camera and talk. What we're seeing now is Joe Biden, uh, where the Hillary Clinton's campaign back in 2016 didn't pay attention to that. And so if I was a political operative, I'd have been like, hey, we need to do less uh, interviews. We need to get out, get, get out of the camera, be, you know, talk to folks on the campaign trail, but let's not do interviews and, and those type things. That's what I'd have said in 2016. And, and so what's happening now in 2020 is Joe Biden's people see the writing on the wall and they're going, hold on. The more he gets in front of a camera, the more he talks from his basement on these new shows, the more he does these interviews with radio hosts, uh, the, the worse it is for him. Now, there's a number of reasons for that, uh, and I'm not going to get into those, uh, but you, would, you could just watch one interview and know quickly uh, that's not really his expertise. So what they're doing as a campaign is they're going, you, you, you've, you've seen different people float the idea that Joe Biden's not going to participate in any of the debates. Now, why would they say that? Now, now let's think about this logically and, and critically. What, what we have heard for a long time is President Trump uh, is not presidential. Uh, you, you hear folks say that he's not very educated. You hear folks say that he's not good putting thoughts together. He's, he's not good off the teleprompter. So you would think if you're the candidate running against him, you would go, hey, we need to have as many debates as possible. Let's debate it. Let's have 10, 15 debates because the more we can show that he is not good at this, the better. But instead, what you're finding is you're, you're seeing political uh, pundits go on the news shows and say, hey, Joe Biden shouldn't debate Donald Trump. Donald Trump is beneath Joe Biden, so he shouldn't debate. Now, do you think that's the real reason? Of course not. That's not the real reason. That's not why they 
don't want him to debate. They don't want him to debate President Trump because they know he's not great on camera. They know he's not great uh, off the teleprompter. They know he's not great when he goes off his notes. And we've seen that in interview after interview. And, and so soundbite after soundbite. Joe Biden's not good at that. And what they're afraid of is President Trump is going to look vibrant and young next to Joe Biden. That's just the, the honest to God's truth when it comes to politics and the optics of it all. And so what they're saying is we're not going to do the debates. Uh, what they said just last week, Joe Biden's not going to go to the Democratic Convention. Think about that. He's not going to go to the convention to accept the nomination. Now, does he have to do that? No. But, but what you find at all the conventions in election year is the candidate gets a bump. Hillary Clinton got a huge bump after her convention speech. Every candidate does. That's their time to shine. And Joe Biden is saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go accept the nomination. Of course, I'm accepting the nomination, but I'm not going to formally do it at a convention. And so they're they're doing everything they can to keep him away from the camera, away from the interviews, and we still don't know who his VP is going to be. Think about it. The election is November. And we've known he's been the presumptive nominee for months. And we still don't know who the candidate, who the VP candidate is going to be. So a lot to play out there. But one thing I want to talk about today, because you hear a lot of folks, and they've said this for years, Joe Biden is a moderate. Joe Biden is personally pro-life, but when it comes to his politics, he's pro-choice. Joe Biden is a faithful Catholic. You hear these things. Oh, uh, just good old Joe. You know, Joe Biden rode the subway. He rode the, the Amtrak. Is that what it's called? He, he rode the train to work. He's just a regular Joe, just a guy's guy. Uh, men want to be him. Women want to be with him. You know, just a normal dude. But the reality is he's been in politics for 40-plus years. He's been on the wrong side of many issues. And, and most recently, when it comes to abortion, he's no longer personally pro-life. He is completely flipped. And there's an article over at the National Review that talks about that that I think is important for you uh, to hear about. So is, um, earlier this, uh, let's see, I guess at the end of July, what we saw was several House Democrats push a bill creatively titled the, quote, Abortion is Healthcare Everywhere Act of 2020, which they describe as the first legislative effort to repeal the Helms Amendment. Now you ask, what is the Helms Amendment? Well, since the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, Congress has routinely attached the Hems Amendment to fiscal bills to prohibit U.S. foreign aid from directly funding, quote, performance of abortion as a method of family planning or to motivate or coerce any person to practice abortions, end quote. A policy that the Democratic sponsors of the new legislation decry as, quote, deeply rooted in racism. So hear that again. The Helms Amendment simply says we are not going to provide foreign aid to countries in the forms of abortion. We're not going to pay for abortions around the world. That's a pretty, I mean, who doesn't get behind that? But that's, uh, that's what people are taking issue with now, Democrats there in D.C. The Helms Amendment goes hand in hand with the Mexico City policy, which every Republican presidential administration since Ronald Reagan has enacted to prevent non-governmental organizations 
that provide or promote abortion overseas from receiving U.S. funding. Under President Trump, that policy was expanded to apply to all foreign health assistance provided by governmental agencies, including the State Department, the U.S. Agency for International Development, the Office of the U.S. Global AIDS Coordinator, and the Defense Department. According to the Washington Post, if elected, Joe Biden will follow the example of his Democratic predecessors in reversing the policy as soon as he takes office. Quote, Biden will use executive action on his first day in office to withdraw the Mexico City global gag rule. End quote. His spokesperson said, using the parlance uh, of those who promote unlimited legal abortion. Meanwhile, in his U- Unity Task Force recommendations developed in a cooperation with senior Bernie, Senator Bernie Sanders, Biden asserts, quote, Democrats believe that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. Now, now, do a quick Google search when you have a moment and see if Joe Biden believed this throughout his whole political career. And what you'll find is that he did not. 40 plus years in politics. And all of a sudden in 2020, he is coming out as as one of the most pro-choice presidential candidates this country has ever seen. The vague wording leaves room for Biden to claim he's telling the truth, but public opinion on abortion is actually much more complex than he makes it sound. A Gallup poll from last summer, for instance, found that less than 40% of Democrats believe abortion should be legal under any circumstances. Meanwhile, it's certainly not the case that Democrats favor taxpayer-funded abortion, let alone overseas. According to a 2018 survey from Marist Knights of Columbus, Democrats were almost evenly split on whether taxpayer dollars should fund abortion in the U.S., with about 45% saying they opposed the practice. In 2017, the same survey found that an overwhelming majority of Democrats, 70%, opposed taxpayer-funded abortion around the globe. On this element of abortion policy is with abortion policy more generally, Biden is out of step not only with the average American, but with voters in his own party. That's where we are. Used to, if you're a politician, you'd put your finger in the air and you would test the winds of politics in in the country. And you would go, okay, it appears as if times are changing. You've seen this with Hillary Clinton, with Barack Obama when it came to marriage. Hillary Clinton at one point said that the staple of foundational marriage is man and woman. She said that and then completely flipped and said marriage can pretty much be whatever you want it to be. President Obama, same thing when it came to marriage. Marriage should be between one man and one woman, completely flipped. Why did they do that? Because the polls showed a change. Now, we can disagree with those polls, but the reality is politicians a lot of times make decisions based on the voters. Why do they do that? Well, because the voters are the one that put them in office. But what you find with the abortion issue is much different. They don't look at the polls. They don't care what the polls say. They're going to believe and do what they want to do. And so here you have an opportunity. And I've been saying this as a political junkie since 2016, especially since since President Trump won and, and took office. There was an opportunity to, to bring a true centrist candidate, someone that was truly in the middle, that wasn't outlandish and crazy, just kind of down-the-road, boring, middle-of-the-road candidate. And, and they could have an opportunity to, to win this election. 
And instead, they, they, they give you a candidate in Joe Biden who has spent his entire life, adult life, in, in politics. And for a long time, some would have argued a middle-of-the-road candidate, not to mention his plagiarism and the things of his past. But, but then he came out during the primary and was more pro-choice than the most adamant pro-choicers running for office. And then he says things like this, the first day in office, I'm going to uh, use the pen of the president and make an executive action, executive order, dismantling the Mexico City rule. And so his position right now is not only should we fund abortion within the borders of the U.S., but we as the U.S. should fund abortions around the globe. And the vast majority of the populace, Democrat, uh, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, and anywhere in between, does not agree with that. At all. And so if someone says, hey, he's a, he's a moderate candidate, it's not true. His statements don't back that up. His policy uh, his policy platform doesn't back that up. And especially when it comes to abortion, he is nowhere near the middle. Nowhere near it. Now, the old Joe Biden, the old Joe Biden believed in the Hyde Amendment. The old Joe Biden believed that taxpayer dollars should not fund abortion. The old Joe Biden believed that at some point you got to have restrictions on abortion. But the 2020 version of Joe Biden, the one running for presidency right now, believes in abortion on demand for any reason at any cost. That is the truth. And that should wake us up. We'll be back. Every heart beat in my chest Lord, I surrender all that I have The days yet to come As the conversation continues, the, the reason I brought that up on the first segment about uh, candidate Joe Biden is because I do think it's important that we, what the, the person that you are voting for this time around, you're not voting for him uh, for the candidate from 20 years ago. You're not voting for the Joe Biden of 30 years ago. You're not voting for the Joe Biden that was the vice president to Barack Obama. His policy and his statements are very much different than even then. You're voting for the 2020 version of Joe Biden. And, and I think that's important to note. Now, now some are going to argue, well, you know, President Trump is, uh, has made some statements that make me uncomfortable and, and some of his policy stances and his interviews sometimes aren't great. Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you how to vote. What I'm telling you is, you're voting for the 2020 version of these folks. I would also say it's not a binary option. And people get upset about that. But you may look at the two candidates and go, I don't want either one of them. I'm going to write somebody in, going to vote third party, going to vote what, however you feel. But the reality is, regardless of what you do with that, the reality is the president for the next four years will either be Donald J. Trump or Joe Biden. That's the reality. And so we have to come to grips with that reality and then make decisions based off that. 
and it's important that we look at their policy stances. And I'm going to be talking about something here uh, in the next segment, not this current segment, in the next segment that I think is going to be uh, quite a shock and surprise to some of you, especially those of you that have followed Pregnancy Center work for a long time. We've seen some amazing people grace the Oval Office with their presence, Ronald Reagan, George W., some very pro-life folks. But something happened last week that, that has never happened before. And it happened within the, the current administration. I'm going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But right now I want to talk about the abortion pill. And the reason I want to talk about it is because the, the pandemic, you know, and we've said this from the beginning. Look, just because a pandemic is here doesn't mean that unplanned pregnancy goes away. It doesn't mean that, that abortion clinics are closing. That's not happening. So we have a pandemic, we have COVID, we have all of that comes along with that. But what we also have is because of that, you have judges making some rulings that, that are uh, wrongheaded and will have lasting ramifications. And there's a piece written by Senator Ted Cruz and Lila Rose uh, that I think is important for you uh, to hear about. Citing the pandemic, a judge has relaxed conditions under which women can procure the harmful drug uh, Mifprex which is the abortion pill. While COVID-19 dominates the news cycle, a battle is being fought over a deadly drug that has killed over 3.7 million children and at least 24 women. And that is the abortion pill. That's what it's commonly known as, and so that's what we're going to call it throughout this piece. On July 13th, an Obama-appointed federal judge enjoined the Food and Drug Administration requirements governing the prescription of this abortion pill. He ruled that requiring pregnant women to complete an in-clinic appointment to procure the drugs was a, quote, substantial obstacle, end quote, to abortion and was to be suspended during the COVID-19 pandemic. This ruling suspends for the abortion pill the risk evaluation and mitigation strategy. The FDA's rules for, quote, certain medications with serious safety concerns to help ensure the benefits of the medication outweigh its risk, end quote. Women procuring abortion drugs without proper education or evaluation are at greater risk of complications and death due to undiagnosed ectopic pregnancy, hemorrhaging, infection, and more. This dangerous judicial activism should compel elected officials entrusted with the care of their constituents to take a stand when federal agencies jeopardize public health and safety. So think about that. You've heard churches say, hey, because of COVID, we're going to make this change. You've heard nonprofits say, because of COVID, we're going to have a virtual banquet. You've heard schools say, because of COVID, we're going to meet virtually. You've heard a lot of folks say a lot of things because of COVID. Hey, you know, because of COVID, we're only going to have a curbside pickup at this restaurant. Because of COVID, the bars are going to close. But here, what you have is because of COVID, We need women to be able to get abortion pills easier. They shouldn't have to go to a clinic and get those pills. They should just be able to get them. That's what they're saying. That's what they're arguing. So anytime anybody says, oh, well, we're not pro-abortion, talk about about this to them. Anytime someone says, oh, pro-choicers aren't pro-abortion, remind them that Joe Biden said on the first day, that he is the president of the United States. He's going to sign an executive order that dismantles the Mexico City policy and, and he's going to force Americans to, to pay for abortions around the world. Remind them of those things when they say they're not pro-abortion. Folks, that's pro-abortion. 
The article continues, the first drug in the abortion pill regimen uh, was approved by the FDA in 2000 after a highly politicized scramble within the Clinton administration. Uh, the, the founder of one of the abortion pill's loudest proponents, uh, health, let's see, Genuity Health Products, uh, cl- they claimed that the September 11 terrorist attacks saved Miprex because the nearly 3,000 Americans killed that day overshadowed news of a woman killed by the abortion pill a day prior. Did you hear that? So on September 10th, 2001, a woman was killed by this abortion pill. And then 9-11 happened, and everybody forgot about it. The pill was designed specifically to kill the developing child and is approved for use up to 10 weeks, at which point a child has arms, eyelids, toes, fingers, and organs. Over 4,000 adverse maternal reactions have been reported to the FDA. The FDA acknowledges that adverse reactions are notoriously underreported, and most women experiencing hemorrhaging or, and, and severe infections will seek follow-up care at emergency rooms instead of returning to the abortion clinic. Yet emergency rooms are not required to report adverse reactions. And as of 2016, the Obama administration changed the requirement so that the abortion pill manufacturers must report only maternal deaths to the FDA. The number of women seeking blood transfusions and emergency intervention is likely much greater than 4,000. The drug regimen has unleashed horrors on America's women and children while providing no medical benefit. Killing innocent children, endangering mothers, and abusing the healthcare system to do harm is tragic. And as long as this deadly drug remains on the U.S. market, it will pose a serious health risk. Pregnancy is not a disease, and abortion is not health care. Hear that sentence again. Pregnancy is not a disease, and abortion is not health care. The abortion pill is not medicine. No child deserves to be killed by a drug, and a pregnant woman deserve, and pregnant women deserve better. FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn should acknowledge the subversion of the abortion industry and its allies, which are using a national pandemic to instigate abortion expansions that could remain long after the pandemic is over. The FDA should protect the public health of Americans and pull this lethal drug. Uh, This drug is approved and it's approved generics from the market immediately. Now, now that's. Again, folks, th- this, is the, this is the frustrating part about all of this. We're going through a pandemic. And what are you hearing during this pandemic? You're hearing Governor Cuomo in New York, Mayor de Blasio in New York City, Speaker Pelosi out of San Francisco, and everybody in between. They're saying, look, we have to shut down and lock down everything. Now, why is that? Th- their argument is... We have to do this. We have to do these things because even if these decisions save one life, it's worth it. And at the same time, at the same time they're making those arguments of trying to save one life, they are making the argument that that abortion pills should be easier to get. Knowing that every successful abortion ends a life. And sometimes... It ends too. Think about that. So they're using this pandemic as a way to fast track abortion and get pills into the hands of people quicker without hoops to jump through. A pill that's going to end the life of a human. A pill that's going to make a forever decision come true. There's no turning back. 
Again, these things should rattle us. And we should be paying attention to what's going on. We'll talk more when we come back. So the conversation continues, and I, I told you earlier that something and and it's took place within the current administration. And 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 the reason I want to I want to give you that context that it's never happened before, folks. We've been we've been at this battle since 1973. Some in the pro-life movement have been at this battle even before then because they saw the writing on the wall. They saw that abortion was coming. But at the very least, we've been at this battle since 1973. Since before I was on this planet, folks have been fighting abortion. During that time, we've seen some amazing men hold the president's office. Ronald Reagan. George Bush, George W. Bush. We've seen some great people hold that office. But yet it took 2020 and the current administration to do something that's never been done. And I want to give you that context because I think it is important. Look, I'm the first to... uh, to call the president onto the carpet when he makes a dumb decision, makes a dumb, dumb statement. But we also have to be honest and, and celebrate the good choices and good decisions that are made. And this is one of them. And this is what happened. Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States of America, visited a pro-life pregnancy center last week. He became the first U.S. Vice President to visit a pregnancy center while serving in office when they visited last week. And they visited a woman's place in Florida. That's a pregnancy center there in Florida. I know the uh, the director of that clinic. I'm a part of a, a pregnancy center group with him. And it's well-deserved. They do amazing work. During their visit, Pence said he met a woman named Kia Farrell and her young son who received help from a woman's place. Farrell had considered having an abortion, but changed her mind because of the unconditional support pro-lifers demonstrated toward her. Pence said, the pro-life movement is defined by generosity, compassion, and love for women and unborn children. Life is winning because of the compassion and love that have been shown to women facing crisis pregnancy centers all across this country now and for decades. Pence applauded the work that pro-life pregnancy clinics like A Woman's Place are doing for thousands of mothers and babies across the country. The vice president emphasized that President Trump will, quote, always stand for life and will continue to fight for free speech and religious freedom, including those who are pro-life. Then he said this, as Republicans continue to support important pro-life policies, Democrats are bowing to the most radical elements of their party and refusing to protect babies still in their mother's womb, Pence said. The American people cherish the right to life, and we will stand in this movement until we restore the right to life at the center of American life. I believe it with all my heart. And that article's from Discern, 
and you can go find that at disrn.com. And the reason I want to bring that up, because some will say, oh, look, they're politicizing abortion again. Oh, look, they're, they're, they're making this into a political thing. Now, here's the reality. Many of us on both sides of the aisle have politicized issues. There's no, there's no question. Politics is messy. It's gross at times. And we politicize things. I mean, every State of the Union address that's ever been given is politicized. But, but here's, here's, I'm hopeful, and I'm glad this happened, but here's my frustration. Why did it take all these years for this to happen? Why? Cecile Richards, when she ran Planned Parenthood, was in the Oval Office, I think, over 100 times during the Obama administration. Did you know that? The largest abortion provider in the country the president of that organization had the president of the United States ear. She was in the Oval Office over a hundred times. But what do you not hear? You don't hear presidents of, of pro-life organizations, presidents of pregnancy centers. Now, now, sure, there are some pro-life organizations that are more about advocacy, more about political advocacy, and they have partnerships with with the administration. They, they have the ear of the president and they have for years because they're about campaigning and they're about, uh, how, Hey, what's this policy need to look like? And I get it. I'm a little biased because, because I serve at a pregnancy center and I believe our work is important, but the pregnancy center movement is the front line to seeing abortion ended. When the abortion industry goes after people, when they look to pass laws across the country to attack those that would call themselves pro-life, who are those laws designed to go after? They're designed to go after pregnancy centers. Why do you think that is? It would be like McDonald's going, hey, we need a piece of legislation that goes after Burger King because we need Burger King to stop. So Planned Parenthood and, and the abortion industry sees the pregnancy center movement as a movement that is, that is taking patients away from them. And here's the, the amazing thing about that. We're doing it with a lot less money. A lot less money. You could combine the pregnancy centers around this country. You could bring all of our budgets together. All of our budgets together into one big pot. And you know what? Our budgets all combined together, almost 3,000 pregnancy centers in this country, and we wouldn't even equal the, the amount of money that Planned Parenthood gets from taxpayers. Not to mention the money they raise. Not to mention the money they make off of abortions. I'm saying just the amount of money they get from taxpayers, from the federal government. So as, as we think through that, the fact that the vice president of the United States visited a pregnancy center is huge. The fact that the president of the United States physically spoke to the March for Life gathering this past January 
Like he actually showed up. No president's ever done that. Mike Pence actually showed up. No, no vice president has ever done that. So at some point, this isn't politicizing. This is saying we believe life begins at conception. We believe life has value. And we're actually going to talk to the folks that are working on the front lines about it. I mean, it's the same thing we see with COVID. What do we, what do we need to do? We need to listen to the doctors and nurses that are working on the front lines, that are seeing it every day. We'd be crazy not to. And in the same way, how are we going to see abortion ended? How are we going to reach the women in our communities? Well, we're going to do that through actually serving them, meeting them where they're at. Pregnancy centers are doing that every single day. And so the fact that, that a vice president showed up and didn't just show up for five minutes, but took his time out to, to spend some time with the staff, to spend some time with a patient that, that actually went through the, the process of, of thinking about an abortion and ended up at a pregnancy center and making another choice. I mean, that's huge. Now, did you see that on the news this week? Did you read about that? Probably not. Maybe if you're local in Florida, maybe the local news picked it up because the vice president came to town and visited somebody in that town. But I don't think you saw it on CNN. Don Lemon wasn't talking about it. I don't even know if it was on Fox News. Maybe it was. But see, these are the things that matter. And, and, and we have to, at some point, start recognizing this work. And frankly, politicians have to actually start putting actions to their words. Politicians are good at telling you they care about life. Politicians are good at saying defund Planned Parenthood. Politicians are good at saying all of those things. But the reality is we still are funding Planned Parenthood. The reality is we still have a long way to go when it comes to seeing abortion ended. But this is a huge step that the vice president of the United States visited a pregnancy center in Florida. And I hope this is the beginning of multiple visits to pregnancy centers across this country. If they come to Knoxville, you better be you better know we're going to have the doors wide open, ready for them. Maybe I'll have them on the show. That'd be amazing. But either way, what we have to know is this work is important. And so much of this work goes unnoticed. Directors and nurses and medical professionals that have been spending year after year after year after year serving in their communities. With not more than a pat on the back. So the fact that the vice president went to a pregnancy center, for me, that is affirmation. That that somebody in the Oval Office recognizes the important work being done by thousands across this country to see that thousands would be saved. And to see that one day, abortion would be unthinkable in a civilized society. And we pray and long for that day. And hopefully, I'll live to see it. We'll be back.
So far today's conversation has been helpful and fruitful and you learned something and, and you took away something that, that you can be motivated, encouraged uh, to, to continue the fight and to continue to do uh, the, the good work that, that's being done. And we're thankful for your partnership and your help. Uh, one way you can continue to partner with us at Hope is uh, we have some big news coming up. We have the Run with Hope, which is our uh, used to be known as the Hope 5K. We've added a 5K and 10K this year. And it's called the Run with Hope, and uh, we had to go virtual this year. Imagine that. COVID is just putting a, a, a wrench into everything. And so we, we've gone virtual. What that means, though, regardless of where you are hearing my voice, so maybe Knoxville is your home. Maybe another state is your home. Maybe Alabama is your home. Maybe Georgia is your home. Maybe New York is your home. Wherever your home is, or maybe you're traveling the week of our 5k and 10k it's virtual so you can pick your own track maybe you're like man i'd I'd love to run a 5k but i'm afraid the track's gonna have hills and i don't want to run hills well hey you can go pick a a flat track maybe you're a weirdo and you're like man i love all the hills i want all the hills that they can have well go find a mountain and run it and you can do that maybe you're like look i don't want to run at all but i want to pay i want to i want to sign up pay $25, and then I want to get a shirt and a water bottle and some other goodies. Well, you can do that. You don't even have to run. But it's the the week of August 23rd. So August 23rd through August 29th. You can run any time during that week. You can upload your time because it's an honor system, so be honest. And and we're all Christians, so be honest with your time. uh, See, individual participant, $25. If you have a team of, of 10 or more, then it's going to be $20 a piece. Again, this year's run with Hope will, will be virtual. Uh, so complete your 5K or 10K anytime and anywhere between August 23rd and 29th. When you register, opt to receive text or email notifications. You will then be given instructions on how to text or email your results so you can qualify for prizes. Only registered participants will receive a shirt and goodie bag and be qualified for prizes. And let me tell you a secret. The shirt this year is a long sleeve t-shirt hoodie. You're not going to put on anything that feels better. And then when it's in the fall, you're cuddled up next to the fire, maybe out on the porch watching the leaves fall, you can put that hood on. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. It's not a sweatshirt hoodie. It's not a big thick thing. It's a t-shirt hoodie. And all the young folks like those. So you're going to like them as well. Very comfortable. Uh, this week is the last week to register for your guaranteed shirt size. We will be accepting registrations through August 29th. However, we cannot guarantee you will receive your desired shirt size after August 14th. So register this week. Make sure you get your size picked out. Your support makes a difference. Did you know that one registration provides 25 pregnancy tests at Hope? That's 25 opportunities for our nurses and staff to share the love of Jesus with women facing an unplanned pregnancy, saving the life of both mom and baby. Even if you don't physically run or walk, your $25 registration turns into 50 lives saved. One team of 10 people provides one life-saving ultrasound. Almost 90% of women facing an unplanned pregnancy choose life after seeing their baby's heartbeat on the ultrasound screen. So you can do that. Put a team together. 
We have folks that are putting teams together from folks all over the country. We, we have so many states represented already, and we want you to, to reach out to your friends, family, uh, churchgoers, the, the folks that you go to church with. Maybe your church wants to have a team or multiple teams. Maybe your life group wants to have a team. Maybe your home group wants to have a team. Your Sunday school wants to have a team. We'd love for you to join us. Uh, and the great thing, again, is you do not have to say, well, I'm, I'm, man, I, I would love to do it, but this particular day I'm busy. It doesn't matter. You have between the 23rd and 29th, and you can literally run it from anywhere. So if your answer is, well, I'm traveling that week, so you can still run. Oh, well, I can't be. No, you can. You can be there. And so if you're already running anyway, why not get a, get a, get a hoodie? Why not get a water bottle? And, and why not partner with us to make sure that we can continue to serve the women of this community. It's going to be awesome. So we partnered with some local Knoxville businesses to offer some awesome giveaways in this year's goodie bags. So with your registration, you will receive the following. Listen to this. A Hope water bottle, a long sleeve shirt, Gatorade Endurance Energy Gel, Volunteer Nutrition, half off any combo, Clean Juice Turkey Creek, one free product, Thrive Chiropractic, new patient assessment for only $24. That's a $250 value. Runner's Market, 20% off coupons, 10% off registration for the Oak Ridge Secret City Half Marathon and 5K. You get all of that for one registration. Partner with us. Help us reach the goal. Help us continue to serve the women of this city. We are grateful for your partnership. We're grateful that you listen to this show, and we'll talk to you next week. The shadows never overcome the light.